Word of mouth is honestly the best way to get people to listen to your show because everyone trusts recommendations from like friends and family and it works. I've yeah. had folks we've done promo swaps with, they've sent me messages that their audience are talking about my show because we did a promo swap together. Hello, you're listening to Podcast Growth Hacks, where I talk to podcasters of all experience levels to unpack the most powerful growth tactics they used to grow their podcast. I'm Pat Chum. And if you're a podcaster, well then subscribe so that together we can all learn and experiment with how to grow our own podcasts. Today we're chatting with Ali Hilton, the host of Dining in the Void. It's an audio drama podcast that they've been doing since January 2018 with over 49 episodes. And I want to have Ali on the show because to my shame, I realized I know very little about the audio fiction genre of podcasts and I find it fascinating. So I want to learn more about their show and even more about the genre in general. So welcome to the show, Ali. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good too. Thanks. Well, <laughs> thanks for coming on today. And we want to take a deep dive into what helped your podcast grow and learn about Dining in the Void. But before we go into all that, tell us a little bit about, about your podcast. So Dining in the Void is about a group of alien celebrities who are locked on a space station. And they have to figure out who among them has trapped them there or die trying. Um, it's science fiction horror and it's an ensemble of starts with six and it's turned into 38 but you know <laughs> <laughs> and then i also work on human error which that one is about a found family of survivors going on a road trip through a zombie apocalypse uh, <laughs> which is also horror but more hopeful horror nice so i want to dive into dining in the void a little bit like i said i know nothing about audio fiction or audio drama but well, actually what is the genre called is it audio fiction or audio drama you can say both. Uh, people generally call it both. I prefer audio fiction, but it's called both things, audio drama, audio fiction. And how does the cadence even work? I know, um, and I'm going to ask you some questions kind of in general too, so you're kind of representing that genre for me a little bit. Uh, so no pressure there. I will do there. my best. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I noticed there could be a lot of little breaks between seasons, and it seems like even sometimes between episodes, because uh, it takes a lot of effort. And maybe we could even dive into that. Like, I think a lot of audience members maybe have not even heard of the genre before. It might be new to them as well. So we don't know that it takes a lot of effort to put together these shows, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So like with Dining in the Void, how many people actually work on the show? Working on the show, there's a cast of 38. And then a lot of the actors are also on the crew. But I believe there's three additional people, four additional people who are not in the cast. So roughly around 40-ish people but in total across the whole show because we've had like guest writers and we've had guest actors it's like 57 something like that wow. i did the numbers recently because i was <laughs> trying to figure out how many people i work with and it's it's a lot <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work so about 35 cast members and several crew members mm -hmm. and how do you define a crew member what do they do um, so the crew depends on the job. I work with a bunch of different writers generally. So I have like a writer's team and then I have a script editor team and I specifically keep those separate because I want to have 
outside eyes who have not been staring at the same script writing it. And then I have my sound design team, which can range from just doing dialogue editing to doing the whole sound design process, which includes sound effects, fixing up some audio, adding in the music, although I compose the music myself. So that's part of the crew as well. I think that's generally what I use for a crew. And what's your role in all this? I am, oh wait, I have this written down. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) There is an official title that sounds nice, so I'm going to find that really quick. I do a lot of things. I'm the creator of the shows. I'm the showrunner and executive producer. I'm the generally the director, head writer, composer. I do some dialogue editing. I wow. run the website, social media. I do a lot of different things. I wear a lot of different hats. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the main writer and you have other writers that contribute as well? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Is it? I plan out the whole season myself because they're my stories. And sometimes I'll uh, get input from the writers and they'll help Mm -hmm. me figure out some plot points. But I have the story pretty much figured out in my head. And if there's an episode I don't have like the strongest grasp on, that's another writer's problem. They can figure (laughs) it out. But I tend to be the head writer. I'm the one who goes through all the scripts to make sure they're matching the story like I want it. My outlines tend to be pretty detailed, so generally it's all good. But like where season one of Human Error, I would get the drafts from my writers and then I would double the script length by (laughs) just adding in more details Mm -hmm. and more dialogue for the characters. I see. Yeah. (laughs) So parts of the script where you don't write, where you kind of hand off to another writer, It sounds like you're just writing the outline and then they kind of fill that in with dialogue and all the details. Yeah. Sometimes they'll have like little phrases written in, but I don't generally write the dialogue or anything. I'll just break out, like break up what happens. Like here's the scene. Here's how the scene generally is going to play out. Here are the Mm. important details. And of course, my writers can change things if they want. Um, If they have something big to change, they generally talk it over with me. And sometimes when you're writing and you find things don't quite fit in how originally it was planned. So we'll move some things around to a different episode or just take it out entirely. It just depends on what happens while you're writing because you want to flow right. You don't want to like force something in that's just not working. That's interesting. That sounds like so many moving parts. Um, It's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you say you do this as a hobby too. How, I mean, with this much work, is that pretty common? Um, It depends on the creator. I recently started doing job set pay because when I started this, I was in high school. I didn't have a job, so I couldn't pay people. So that's why Dining in the Void is a volunteer show. And there's nothing wrong with shows being volunteer so long as you're very upfront about it from the mm. beginning. Because you don't mm-hmm. want to be hired onto show and be like, hey, when am I going to get paid? And then have the creator be like, oh, it's volunteer. That's not great. Right. You want to be like really upfront. Hey, this is a volunteer show. Here's the deal. And people will want to join. Not everyone's going to want to, but sure. a lot of people will. But with Human Error that is now releasing, we crowdfunded for season one, which means I got paid, which is <laughs> really fun and great. And so I'm trying to work my way into creating more shows that are going to pay my cast and crew and myself, because as a producer, you should pay yourself, which is something we are trying to do as a community, trying to do more because there's kind of a hesitant for paying yourself. But it's important, too, because you do a lot of work as well. 
Right. And do you know the normal business model for, or revenue model for these types of audio fiction shows? Is it, because you mentioned crowdfunding, is that pretty much the norm or are some shows sponsored it or? Depends on the show, honestly. Um, I know, I think Ann Baird and Tal Manier did some research on crowdfunding and how successful they were and how much shows raised, I think one of their websites might have it. Um, well, you said you did crowdfund yes. one of your shows recently. Yeah. How successful was that? We reached our goal and we reached our milestone goal as well. You can actually pull those numbers up really quickly. So ideally in the future, I want my shows to be paying more, but this is what we did for the first show and the first run of the show for season. Because generally the first season of a new show has a harder time raising funds um, just because it's new. But I have family and friends who are, are amazing and they donated. And so we were trying to, our goal was 3,700. And that's for an eight episode season with a main cast of seven and then just a small ensemble depending on the episode. And then includes also our sound design, I actually have this broken down. <laughs> uh, okay, so we had like, so paying our actors, our writers, sound designers, script editors, our consultant, because we, the show has uh, deaf and hard of hearing characters played by deaf and hard of hearing actors. And I myself am not deaf or hard of hearing. So I worked with Caroline Minks, who is our consultant. So they got paid, which is important. <laughs> and then stuff to cover our perks and Indiegogo feeds. Um, so, like I said, our goal was 3700 and then we had a stretch goal of 4000 which meant I got paid a little bit more for the things I do because I was getting paid for my writing at the very least, but mm -hmm. I also direct, produce, compose, yeah. all this other stuff. So we reached that and we ended up raising $4,057. That is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So that is... so. You set a goal on Indiegogo basically mm -hmm. to cover all the costs of paying everybody and maybe mm -hmm. a little bit of profit. That's great. Wow. That's actually a lower budget than I thought it would because that's a lot of people and that's a lot of... Like I said, um, I'm hoping for the next season to actually pay everyone more. This was just kind of the breakdown that I had set up with a friend who had advised me on it. <laughs> but it honestly depends on the show. I've seen some shows have larger goals, like $16,000. I think that's what Summon Dyson's Elevator was, their goal was. And then there's Unwell, which was a huge amount. But it generally depends on production. There's not really a set standard or anything because sure. these are not industry standard payments. I don't know the right word for that. <laughs> it's not industry standard, but it, the show is pretty successful so far. So my hope is that next season we can pay people more, especially sound designers. Sound designers yeah. deserve to be paid a lot more than they're paid. <laughs> right. So it sounds like Dining in the Void. Is that still going on sort of a free model? Like mm -hmm. everyone's kind of just pitching in? And are yeah. you thinking of moving that over to like a crowdfunding? I'm not sure. I've considered it. I haven't looked into it a whole, whole lot because crowdfunding is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and it's very stressful. And I'm producing four shows in total right now. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe in the future it might be. But I might also just keep it volunteer and just for fun because yeah. that's what it's been. And there's nothing wrong with that either. 
Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's super cool that people are so passionate about it that they want to keep mm -hmm. on doing it. And what season is it on now? Uh, we have two seasons out and we are recording our third season at the moment. And there's going to be five seasons in total. Whoa. So you already have the whole thing scoped mm -hmm. out to five seasons. Yeah, I know exactly how it ends. Right. Um, Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's always good, by the way. I hate, I hate when I even smell that the writer doesn't know how it's going to end. That's uh, that's always disconcerting. When I started, I had no idea. Um, but <laughs> after we wrote season one, I was like, you know what? I really need to figure this out. So I did. And we have five seasons. Season four is a prequel season. So there's technically mm -hmm. four seasons of the main story. And then the fifth is prequel to show how our villains came to be. Mm -hmm. interesting like the origin stories of the villains yeah because you meet cool. that we meet all of the rest of them in season three and then we're gonna go back and see where they started and then go back to present day and see where they are again and be like oh these people suck and this is why <laughs> that's very cool so just thinking about the cadence a little bit once again sorry for my ignorance of the genre oh, you're fine. how often do the episodes come out and how long are the breaks between the seasons it depends on the show my shows it depends on how fast production goes i like to have a backlog of episodes so i'm not rushing to make an episode and try and release it and have delays because i did that with season one and it was mm. hell um <laughs> so now we create a backlog and we have either most of the season or the entire season completely done sound design everything good and then mm. i release every other week Human Error, which is releasing right now, comes out twice a month, every other Thursday. Got it. And yeah. it sounds like you move towards a pattern where you have the entire season all fleshed out and all mm -hmm. edited. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So right now we're writing season two of Human Error, and there it might end up being about a year gap between seasons just because of oh, how wow. much work it takes and how much work sound design has been taking. Um, right. But, is that the most time-consuming process, the sound design? Yes, sound design takes the most work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it is what makes it amazing to these shows. The mm -hmm. sound design is captivating. It's amazing what you all do. So having such long breaks, does that affect the audience growth at all? I think to some extent it does, but also people are going to come back and listen to your show between the seasons of one and two of dining in the void and it's ending up between season two and three there was a two-year gap um wow. but we had people come back and people were just as excited if not more excited and then more people have joined the show and people come back and they listen and we also between season one and two released a lot of bonus content a bunch of mini episodes mm -hmm. um, which i think also helps keep your listeners engaged so yeah to some extent you're gonna have some people who are just not gonna listen again but you're also gonna have people who are, are there and they're gonna come back and they're gonna tell their friends to come back right yeah that's cool yeah once you're a fan of the show and you want to know how it ends yeah you want to <laughs> see the next chapter i guess yeah it's very cool. and i try to post updates so uh like in March, we posted a production update. We're like, hey, this is where we are with production. Here's where you can listen or find out more about the show and keep up with our updates, things like mm -hmm. that. So I think that also helps us be upfront about like, hey, this is where we are. But that's not required either. Yeah. 
I also noticed that I, I'm not sure if it's your show or some other shows that I was looking at that it seems like they fill in the gaps by cross-promoting a lot of other shows just to fill in the gaps in the RSS feed. Is that some tactic you use as well? So this is something I just started doing was promo swaps. I've definitely seen it where they drop uh, episodes of other shows. And I've also seen it done where it's just a trailer at like the end or the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. At the moment, I'm just doing trailers at the end of the episodes. But in the future, as I'm learning more about promo swaps, I want to definitely do like dropping an episode into our feed and doing that as well. That's something I want to look into more. Yeah, I'm curious how you would fare with that because I'm not sure how I feel about that as a listener because I'm always a little confused. I'm like, what, 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 <laughs> which story am I listening to? Yeah, a lot of pe different people have like, different opinions on it. As a listener, if the show sounds interesting, I'll listen to it, but I don't generally all the time. So my preferred way to do promo swaps is doing trailers in episodes, yeah. either at the beginning or end, because yeah. that's generally how I found shows more and I'm like, oh, hey, this trailer sounds cool. I want to go check out the show, which yeah. I just did the other day after listening to a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like that too, especially when the producer or whoever is endorsing that other show, some kind of endorsement that really helps. Well, let's dive into your growth hack a little bit. I know you said part of the way you grew Dining in the Void is through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Word of mouth is honestly the best way to get people to listen to your show because everyone trusts recommendations from like friends and family. Like my my sister-in-law's friends have gone to her and be like, oh, hey, have you heard about Dining in the Void? And she's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, my sibling-in-law makes that. <laughs> <laughs> and like the number of times that's happened is very random and very cool. Another great way, and this this is still word of mouth, is there's a tag on Twitter called hashtag Audio Drama Sunday. And so on Sunday, people will list out recommendations for shows. And oftentimes people will be like, hey, here's the show. Here's what it's about. This is why I like it. And that's another really cool way to find um, recommendations. And also Tumblr. Tumblr is where all the fandoms are at. We've found a <laughs> is that true? bunch of... Yeah. That's funny. I, I'll be honest. I wasn't sure if they were still alive. So people oh yeah, are it, using... Mm -hmm. A lot of audio dramas have pages on or blogs on Tumblr and they'll post like memes and share fan art on there and things related to the show. Dining in the Void, I queue up a bunch of space photos because I really <laughs> like space. So there's like a new space photo that posts every day. And then if I see fan art or something, I'll repost that and I'll share that a few times. Also, all the fan art I have gotten for the show, I have it saved on the folder on my phone because it is so cool that people we're so inspired by something I made that they made more art out of that. It's so Interesting. cool. So uh, fan art is a thing and mm -hmm. it's shared on Tumblr. So does Dining in Void have its own Tumblr feed? Yeah, uh, I can pull up what that's called. Also, do I remember it off the top of my head? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's not sort of your main podcast website then. That's just like a separate no. channel. Mm -hmm. We have a website for Dying in the Void and its spinoff that is in production written and Stardust. They're both under zebulonpodcast.wixsite.com. And then they have specific pages for the shows that will lead into like, here's the cast and crew. Here's where our Tumblr is. Here's our Twitter, things like that. And mm -hmm. we also have a fan discord. So we have fans that go in there and they engage with me. Some of our cast and crew is on there. 
Hmm. And that's also another really cool way to get to know and get to see your audience and get to know your audience more. That's a great but audience engagement tool for sure. Tumblr is more for memes and photos and <laughs> more lighthearted fandom related stuff. And then the shows, of course, have their own website like human error is human error forward slash main. So are. why do you think the community glommed onto Tumblr? Why not like something like Reddit? There is Reddit. A lot of people are on Reddit, too. There's a whole audio fiction, or I guess audio drama is what it's called on Reddit. There's a whole thing there for Reddit. I'm not on Reddit very much, mm, okay. so I don't know a lot about it. I can't really talk a lot about it, but I know a lot of people are on there as well. I just know Tumblr more, and that's <laughs> what I've been using since high school, so that's where, <laughs> that's where I am. That's cool. I'll have to check out the that Tumblr feed. And yeah, definitely <laughs> share that link and I'll put that link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. So were there any other things that helped increase word of mouth? Because I'm a huge fan of word of mouth too. But one of the things I always kind of say, it's like there's no way to kind of, you know, buy more of it, right? It's not like paid advertising where you could just spend more money and kind of get more clicks. How else do you increase word of mouth? It just depends. Like, like I said, promo swaps is also kind of, in a way, word of mouth. It depends on how it's done. For promo swaps I do, I actually talk about the show before the trailer goes on. So I'm like, hey, this is what it's about. This is why I like it. So I would consider that also a little bit of word of mouth. Yeah. And it works. I've yeah. had um, some folks we've done promo swaps with. They've sent me messages that their audience are talking about my show because we did a promo swap together. Right. No, that, that that makes total sense. It's like you get this whole other audience talking about your show. Mm -hmm. I mean, one other thing that you do, just kind of hearing it and riffing on that is, I feel like crowdfunding is also a great way to increase word of mouth too, because you're getting mm -hmm. people, like taking some pretty high level action of giving you money and donating. Do you see that as kind of a good way as well? I think so, yeah. Human Error is, we just have two episodes out right now. We have our third episode coming out next week. And we're almost at 2,000 downloads, which is really impressive for a brand new show. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And tell us about Human Error a little bit. When did it start again? Uh, it's been in production since 2019, <laughs> but we just started releasing episodes this month or last month. We're in September now. We started releasing episodes on the 18th, which is right before podcast movement, because I wanted to be like, hey, <laughs> go listen to my show. It's out now. <laughs> yeah. And it worked. <laughs> and that was the first season? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's our very first season. And there's going to be four seasons in total. Wow. And it's already at what download count? It's at 1.7 thousand, something like that. We're wow. almost at 2,000. How many downloads per episode? It is telling me about 638 per episode at the moment. Wow, that's amazing. And do you attribute yeah. most of that through word of mouth? Probably, honestly, because <laughs> I'm not, I don't have like any paid admir advertisement or anything. Right. I have just been talking about the show a lot <laughs> on like, Twitter and Tumblr and Discord right. because I'm on a bunch of different audio drama discords. There's a lot of different fan servers mm -hmm. and there's also a lot of ones for creators. And the thing with the audio drama community is we are often listening to other shows yeah. and we love other audio dramas. So you have a lot of people listening to each other's show. Yeah. That's what I love about your community. It seems like a community that I guess you all like to share. Mm -hmm. uh, which is different. Like, even when you said there's a lot of Discord, the first thing that popped in my mind is like, 
wow, did they let you promote your own show? Because a lot of these <laughs> sort of online communities kind of flag you for that, right? So it seems like these communities. Do you know what Discord is? Yeah, yeah, it's a chat yeah. server, right? Mm -hmm. But we there's have... sometimes moderators, you know, if you promote too much, they kind of, they could silence you or ban you. It depends on the server. Honestly, mm -hmm. a lot of the servers I'm in are audio drama based. So mm -hmm. if it's a creator server, they have like a self-promotion channel where you can go and promote oh, yeah. your things. And the same with the fandom server, there's like pages where like, so let's say I'm on the Die in the Void fan server. We actually have a whole channel that is dedicated to other podcasts that you want to talk about. So I'll find out about new shows there that other people are like, hey, you guys should go listen to the show. Yeah. This community has its own ethos. And <laughs> speaking of, I even noticed there's an entire podcast player dedicated to audio yes, drama. Yes, Apollo. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, do you know I much about that? Apollo. Like, has that helped a little bit for discovery for you? Uh, and anyone who's listening should go download Apollo and use it because it is a app that is entirely for fiction audio drama. And it is set up in a way that will recommend shows and they'll have like, so you know on Netflix how it has like a bunch of shows that flips through and mm -hmm. has like the art for? Uh, Apollo has something like that. So I'm, I am I have it up next to me. So if I'm flipping through it, it's like Tales of the Echo Wood or Earth Eclipse and it's giving me a bunch of shows that they're promoting. And then they also, if you scroll down, there's different categories. So you can look for adventure, classics, comedy, crime or mystery, drama, whatever you want to look for. And then there's a creator showcase right now. So they have all the shows they're featuring in this creator showcase, which is mm. really, really cool. And they have like different things like shows for a good cry, sci-fi, beyond <laughs> yeah. infinity, women-led shows by black creatives, um, et cetera. They have like all of this is on the main page where you can go through and you can see all these different shows by these different yeah. categories that you're looking yeah. at it is a really cool app i'm really excited about that it. is really cool i'll be honest when i first heard of it i was a little skeptical i'm like aren't all podcast apps all the same like i didn't really see much of a difference between the genres but now that even as you're describing it yeah it makes total sense different genres have different ways that they could recommend shows they have mm -hmm. way different type of community that's into different <laughs> things that could help them find and discover yeah. shows that they like. And I can't remember what podcast I was listening to. I first heard of Apollo because someone mentioned that even the feature of when you first click onto an audio drama show, it's in a chronological order versus reverse chronological because chances mm -hmm. are if someone's listening to it the first time, uh, they want to start from episode one, not the latest episode. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. It's also really nice to have somewhere that's all entirely audio fiction because when I'm looking for new shows, I don't generally find it on other podcast apps. Like, really? Um, the huh. other app I use to listen to podcasts is Pocket Cast, and I have my shows on there, but I don't know how to find other shows because when you look at Discover, it's all entirely nonfiction. And right. like, there's nothing wrong with nonfiction, but I generally tend to listen to more audio drama because that's that's my thing but with apollo it's all entirely audio drama so you can find all these new shows in one place right. which is really really cool right now i could even see that being cool for other genres like self-help business because it'd be so much easier opening an app just dedicated for that and you're getting all the recommendations based off of that one interest mm -hmm. it's very cool it's a really cool app <laughs> dining in the void again yeah what what numbers are you at now 
So I actually went and checked this last night because I don't generally check download numbers because I will hyperfixate sure. on the numbers. I'm sorry for making you do it then. No, no, no. I'm really glad you did because I found out we're at 71.5 thousand downloads. Wow. Which is that a is lot. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that is great. And have you ever thought of monetizing from it? Because you do it as a hobby and everyone's doing it for free. Actually, maybe you do. Do you monetize at all? I don't. I've definitely thought about it. It's a little intimidating for me because I don't know much about it. But I definitely want to start doing that with just the different shows I produce. Because again, I want to start paying my cast and crew if yeah. I can. And I would love to see like Die in the Void and Written in Stardust because Written in Stardust is also volunteer based. Like pay your actors and like the thing is if you can pay your actors just a little bit like even if it's just ten dollars like that's ten dollars more than they didn't yeah. have before and if you can pay like twenty five dollars per episode which is what we're doing for our main cast in human error that's great and if you have the means to pay your cast and crew you should you should pay your cast and crew before you pay yourself too hmm. which is why for human error I made sure everyone else got paid before I got paid at all yeah. because they're working for me and right. they're going to get paid first. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's really good of you to do that. And speaking of, it made me think, are there contracts for these kind of things or is it all just kind of... Depends on the show, honestly. Human Error, I had people sign an NDA just because I didn't want things leaking and also just, I don't know, that's what people do sometimes. but. I don't know. I don't generally write out contracts, which I guess I could, but <laughs> right. it's, it's at not, the level where you're not thinking about it too much. Yeah, it's not something I really need to think about right now. Right. One of the reasons why I asked that is I think some people who do kind of high production shows on spec, because like, I'm kind of thinking, you know, I'm sorry, I'm trying to like put dining in the void in a bucket for some reason, just like my mental <laughs> model of like how things work. It's like some people will kind of invest, you know, sweat equity or or whatever into a project for free with maybe some other outcome in mind that they maybe they hope for it in the back of their mind and i think one of the things that some podcasters are doing is they're kind of hoping maybe for like for it to get picked up by a network or to get made into a netflix series or something like that <laughs> if something like that happens do you ever think about that Sometimes like human error would absolutely be so cool as a TV show because it's such a visual story as well. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen because that's a whole nother thing that I don't know very much about. Sarah Ray Warner gave a talk at Podcast Movement about how their show almost became a TV show and oh, then wow. a bunch of different things happened and it just it didn't happen anymore because TV industry, from what I've heard, is very complicated. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. But I think they're kind of using podcasts as a way to test out ideas. So I don't know. It might happen. It might be interesting to be prepared for, even if it's a, a slight chance, one in a million or whatever. <laughs> you never know what could happen. Mm -hmm. So how my brain works, when I write stories or hear stories, my brain plays it out like I'm watching a movie. It'll mm -hmm. have... I can see the characters in the setting and I can see different visual things, especially like with human error. Same with Dying in the Void, but Dying in the Void is they were on the same space station for a while. So it's not so much atmospheric. Human error is very atmospheric. They're outside in South Central Texas, which is where I live. <laughs> and so you can hear 
the cicadas in the summer and you can hear the birds. And one of my sound designers was specifically Googling different birds in Texas and was finding those sound effects to put into it. So it was accurate. I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> but I can, because I live here, I can see visually how it will look because one of the reasons I made the show is because Texas is beautiful. There's a lot of countryside out here. And one of my favorite things is driving out in the country where you can see just fields and fields and fields for miles and miles. And then there'll be wild sunflowers on the side of the road. And sometimes you'll see cows and sometimes you'll see trees and houses every once in a while. And it's just, it's really pretty. And so that's why I put human air here because I think it's nice. That's cool. Maybe you should figure out a way to pitch it to Netflix <laughs> one day. <laughs> one day, maybe. Maybe we'll look yeah. at make it into a TV show. I think that'd be cool. But that's not something I'm looking at right now mm -hmm. because I want to focus on making the audio drama because that's yeah. what I have control over and that's what I'm working on right now. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think you said you are planning to crowdfund the rest of the seasons? Yes. Human Error is in, is going to pay every season. That's great. It's always going to crowdfund for each season. Um, yeah. And the goal will depend on how many episodes there are <laughs> and how many actors are in each episode. Yeah. Like season two is 12 episodes long and it's a much bigger season, but it's going to be really good. And it seems like it, it makes some logical sense to ramp up the budget on each one, right? You have mm -hmm. more and more listeners, you get more and more supporters. Out of curiosity, not to make you look in your stats again, how many supporters did you get for your Indiegogo campaign? Oh, let me see. I still have this pulled out. We had 82 backers. 82. Wow, that's really good. That means mm -hmm. they're all supporting quite a bit. Yeah. And the thing with crowdfunding is we had different levels that people could pay. So we had like $5 tier and $15, $20, $30, 50 100 And each tier has different rewards you would get so the first tier five dollars would get you a shout out on twitter and your name on a thank you page and then the 15 dollars was a whole digital pack where you get wallpapers for your computer and annotated scripts and early access to the soundtrack and then as you go higher we start adding in stickers and because we have a whole sticker pack for our characters <laughs> we have a i commissioned someone to do official artwork of the characters and oh, wow. what i'm planning on doing is each season doing a new sticker pack with the characters updated looks because wow. the show takes place over the course of a year so you're going to see them in summer fall winter spring <laughs> okay. wow yeah. that is a lot of work what was the most popular <laughs> tier let me see it looks like our 20 dollar tier was the most popular yeah but it just kind of like a lot of them were pretty even um, but like $20 had the most and then like our $100 tier, there's, we got like 10 out of 15 claimed, which is really impressive. And the reason I limited it to 15 is because with that tier, they get to name a character. And in season two, we have 15 additional characters. So they're going to name an ensemble character who you will hear throughout the season. But yeah, our $20 one, it looks like was the most popular one. <laughs> yeah, congrats on the current success of Human Error. Thank Era. you. And out of curiosity, did you promote <laughs> it at all on the Dining in the Void feed? I did. 
Um, that's something I can do with my own shows is I can very easily promote it. So like I said earlier, we were doing a production update. So I gave a production update like, hey, we're going to be casting for season three and we're going to start recording. And also I have a new show on crowdfunding right now that's going to be coming out. Here's a trailer for it. Mm. And that definitely brought more people in. And I plan on doing that with the other shows I'm creating. Because I think that's a great way to get people to hear what I'm working yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I just did an episode with another guest on the power of networks and mini networks. Mm-hmm. And I noticed you, are you part of one too? It's, is it called the Shadow Network? Yes. I'm a part of two different networks. Zebulon Podcast is my own network. I run it with my wife. That's where Diane the Void and Ren and Stardust are. It's generally just where I'm keeping it. But the Shadow Network is a network I'm really excited about and I'm really proud of. I'm one of the, what are we called? The board? I think we're called the board. I'm going to look this up. <laughs> Shadow Network. I think it is called the board. I'm on the website right now. And there's collaborators too. Yes. I'm one of the people who helped find the network. And so there's a bunch of different shows we're working on. And we have a Discord server for all of us who are on the board and also the folks who are producing shows through us because not everyone producing shows is on the board, but we'll have people come pitch shows to us and Hmm. we'll decide as a board if we want to adapt the show with our network or not, which is what I did with Human Error because Human Error was originally attached to a different network that I just wasn't fitting what I needed. So I was like, I feel like the Shadow Network is a much better fit because Hmm. the Shadow Network, our phrase for it is an audio drama network dedicated to bringing marginalized folks out of the shadows. Hmm. And Human Error has a bunch of disabled characters and that disability is also used as a strength, which you don't really see very often and I'm very excited about. (sighs) But yeah, and I've actually gotten a lot of help through this network because... uh, when I needed help crowdfunding, I was like, hey, I need help with this. And so someone there who knew how to do it, uh, Tal in this case, helped me figure out crowdfunding stuff that I was stuck on. And then when I was having trouble figuring out phrasing for announcing the cast because I was going to schedule the tweets and you can't schedule a thread. So I had to put a whole bio into one post. Um, <laughs> and I was like, please, someone help me figure out how to phrase these. So one of the folks on the Shadow Network went and we worked together and we wrote out all the cast and crew announcements together. It's just a really great place to help support each other. And we are going to be doing more like cross promotion across yeah. the different shows. Human Hour is the only one out right now, but I know Between the Heartbeats is going to be coming out soon. I think they mm. just crowdfunded a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so different shows are going to come out whenever right. they come out but you're gonna start seeing a lot more cross promotion between the different shows right. because we're all one network and we're helping each other we're boosting each other up right. and i take it you're not just cross promoting the show but also the crowdfunding campaigns as well yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'll either share it on a feed if i have the feed live or i can share it on twitter and things like that <laughs> yeah when's the next uh, crowdfunding campaign for human era i'm happy to give that a little support too I don't have it planned out yet. It's going to be sometime in 2023. We're writing the scripts right now, and then we're going to start recording early 2023 is the goal, knock on wood. And generally, I'll crowdfund before this season releases. 
um, like right before it releases in season one in this case it got pushed back a few months just because sound design is so much fun but the goal is to have like a crowdfunding campaign and then having the show come out like really shortly after I see. So it sounds like you're already committed to the production even before the crowdfunding campaign starts. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you're already kind of invested in some money before even money rolls in, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. Different shows will do it different ways. I know some shows will crowdfund before they produce, but I know other shows crowdfund after they've done their production work because it's like everyone's going to get paid regardless. Crowdfunding just means it's not going to come directly out of my pocket so <laughs> yeah. much as it's going to come from the crowdfunding campaign and the people who donated to the show to help us produce it and right. create it. Was it nerve wracking at all? The first one where you're like, hey, you're going to get paid. I don't know where I'm going to get the money, but <laughs> don't worry. Kind of. I, I had talked with my wife about it beforehand, and we were like, we can we can do this if we don't meet our goal. And that was the important thing. And I know like some shows, I don't remember what specific show, but they were like, here's what I'm crowdfunding. You're all going to get paid. I don't know exactly when you're going to get paid, but you will get paid. So I tried to be upfront about it. Yeah. and updating as much as I can and keeping that communication yeah. clear. Yeah. Sure. But they're all going to get paid regardless. So that wasn't going to change at all. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. No, that's great. No, your integrity is very, very high. So I'm sure no one was worried about that. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I just want to be conscious of time. So normally I end the show with what I call the final five questions. And these are just kind of quick mm -hmm. questions that are hopefully a little fun and enlightening to the listeners too. So question number one, do you collect listener emails? No, I don't. I don't have a newsletter or anything and I do not have the spoons or energy to do it. Uh, so I don't do that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Question number two, what's the last podcast you recommended to someone besides your own? Desperado. Desperado is such a good show. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Desperado. And tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that one. Yeah, it's about three individuals who are, hold on, I have this right now. I want to say this right. Can I pull it up really quick? Sure. Um, You're a great we, recommender, by the way. I think you recommended Someone Dies in This Elevator to me, and I listened to it mm -hmm. several times. Oh, I love Someone Dies in This Elevator. I'm so excited for the next season. It's <laughs> so good. I've listened to a lot of the episodes already because I'm on the crew and cast. Nice. Uh, okay. <laughs> no problem. Um, Desperado is a show about three individuals who are each chosen by the god of death of their respective cultures as oh. they try to survive and protect their heritage from modern day crusaders. There's a lot of magic, action, adventure, swords, and they're also on the quest to go kill god. It's a really fun <laughs> show, and I wow. highly recommend it. It's so good. Yeah, it's funny. These descriptions sound so visual. I just wish, yeah. I think I haven't <laughs> unlocked that side of my brain where I could convert audio into video <laughs> so i'm still learning so question number three how much time do you spend producing each episode oh god someone asked me this recently too a lot of time writing can take if i'm quickly writing it can take a week but sometimes it takes two or three weeks depending and then recording folks generally have a month to record and then sound design generally takes a month or two, so a few months per episode. Wow. But um, you're just, but, you're working it in batches, right? 
Yeah. And I work with a team. So I have a team of sound designers. So we're working on multiple episodes at the same time, which is how we're able to release sooner rather than later. How much time would you say you spent on an episode yourself? A lot of time. (laughs) I I do this full time. I know it's a hobby, but it's also my job because I do work on other shows that get that pay me and I'm getting paid for human error now myself however much time you would spend on a full-time job that's what i do with wow uh, okay uh my podcasts yeah and you your cast and crew on other shows too you said mm-hmm. that you get okay. i think i'm involved in 10 shows at the moment wow okay my website has all my credits on it <laughs> yeah is it your personal website yes okay i'll put that link in the show notes that's very cool and question number four what's your favorite podcast tool what do you mean with podcast tool Like, I don't know, any tool that you use, recording tool, DAW. Reaper's really good for sound design. And I know some people record with it. I generally record with GarageBand because I'm a Mac. But when doing like dialogue editing and sound design, Reaper is so good. Yeah. Do you create your own sound effects for sound design or do you buy them sometimes? It depends. I don't generally do the sound design, but some folks will get stuff off of freesound.org sometimes there's different ways of you know, attributions or some of it is just you can use it freely and then some of my sound designers will they pay for libraries mm. and they use that or they'll just record their own sound effects so it's kind of a mix got it yeah that makes sense all right and um what social media platform are you on the most twitter probably twitter yeah Cool. You can find me at Miss Allie Hilton on Twitter or at my website, which is AllieHilton.card.co, which I can spell that out if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll put all these links in the show notes. I, yeah, I checked out your card website. Very cool. Uh, and last question. What's your primary call to action at the end of each episode? I generally ask for people, if they like the show, to tell a friend about it or leaving us a review on their favorite podcast app, which is, again, word of mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. If you enjoyed this episode, go check out both Human Error and Dining in the Void. And if you like the episode, go give it a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. (laughs) Thanks for being on the show, Ali. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Podcast Growth Hacks. If you like the show, please tell a fellow podcaster about it. This really does help keep our show going. And if you have a podcast growth question that you're kind of curious about, well, I'd love to hear from you. You can leave me an audio message by going to podinbox.com slash podcast. Once again, that's podinbox.com slash podcast. I'll include that link in my show notes. I personally respond to all questions I receive there. And once I get your question, I'll find the podcasting expert to answer it on an upcoming episode. We'll play your question and I'll even give you a shout out. Until the next episode, keep creating and keep growing your show.